Attitude Heroes is sponsored by The Great Britain Campaign, which welcomes the world to visit, do business, invest and study in the UK. You can check out their website at www.great.gov.uk. Hello, hello. I'm Matt Kane, Editor-in-Chief of Attitude magazine, and welcome to our very first Attitude Heroes podcast. It's the start of a new series in which I'll be chatting to some of the most inspirational, courageous and downright brilliant gay men in Britain. Not that we need a reason to do this, but it just so happens that 2017's a very important year. It's the 50th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality in England and Wales. I know, that's 50 years since we were allowed to be ourselves, since we stopped being outlaws. In this first episode, I'm chatting to one of Britain's most celebrated actors, Sir Ian McKellen. I've known Ian since we made a documentary together nearly 14 years ago, but it's always great to see him, and I have to admit that I still get excited when I go around to his home by the River Thames in East London. Ian's story starts when homosexuality was illegal. This was how the world was organised. Gay people were subhuman. He tells us about the changing attitudes he's observed in Britain. I hear more negativity now about gay people than I did when I was growing up. And he offers some words of advice to you if you're a young, closeted gay man. You are what you are, and uh, don't let anyone or anything stop you discovering what you are. And he does all this from the comfort of his living room, surrounded by movie memorabilia and his very impressive art collection. Seriously, you are in for a treat. So settle back and enjoy the company of a true gay hero, Ian McKellen. Ian, thanks very much for inviting us to your home. I didn't invite you. You invited, you invited <laughs> yourselves, but it's very nice to see you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> How are you today? I'm all right. It's a bit early for me. I did two shows yesterday. I'm a working actor, thank God. But lovely to see you. There are signs, speaking of your life as a working actor, there are signs of that all over the room. I can't help but comment on Magneto's helmet and Gandalf's sword on the coffee table. That's broken. Magneto's helmet's broken. Somebody tried it on. Look, they've cracked it. Yes, I know. I I had 20 LGBT activists from Russia, Belarus, Armenia, Georgia, who had come over here to... uh, try and work out a plan for changing the laws in their own countries. Anyway, they all came around here for a cup of tea, and I keep this in the basement, but it came out so they couldn't be photographed. Oh, that's Gandalf, that's Gandalf's hat. Everyone likes to have a go with Gandalf's hat. Well, it's interesting you say that about yeah. changing the law, because yeah. the 50th anniversary of the change of the law here, mm. in England and Wales at least, is the kind of catalyst for this chat. Has the significance of 2017, has, have you given that any thought yet? No, I haven't, to tell you the truth. Um, and uh, I've been trying to remember what it was like, but it is 50 years ago, isn't it? I, what, what year was it? It was 1967, so it was... Um, so I'd, I'd, uh, I'd been acting for six years. I was living with my boyfriend in... A flat in Kensington, very happily, uh, quite openly. 
I had gay friends, straight friends. We went out together. We went on holiday together. I wouldn't have dreamt of going somewhere where Brian hadn't been invited as well. But, of course, uh, you never held hands in the street and you never embraced in the street. You never said goodbye at the airport. You did nothing in public to draw attention to yourself because um, you would be identifying yourself as a potential criminal. <laughs> now, things didn't change overnight, and I think what my reaction was that because the law was now um, attended to, I was more aware of the negatives than the positives. For instance, it was, it was defined that uh, you could only uh, have sex with another man uh, in private. Uh, and then the argument was, is, is a, an hotel, uh, when you're staying in an hotel in a room to which the manager and the staff have access through their house keys, is that or is that not in private? So things like that started to tell you to. And before, you, you would sort of have dodged around the law in some way or other. But now, uh, the law was uh, telling you, no, you can't book into this hotel with your, your lover, your boyfriend, the person you think of as the half of your life, because they're not strictly in private. Are you in private when you're staying at your mother's house in the spare room? The argument went I'd love to know what the world was like when you were growing up and the Q word, queer, was banded around and how you started to think about yourself and that side of yourself, knowing that the world labelled who you were as something queer and you were actually an outlaw. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's difficult to remember back, but uh, I didn't know anybody who was gay when I was growing up. And if I did, uh, I didn't know that I did. However, the people who ran our local shop in the suburbs of Bolton were, were two men. And uh, everyone was very nice to them. They were very nice to everybody else. And it was just accepted that they were two men running this shop and that they lived in the... and probably shared a bedroom at the back. Did people talk about that then? Or did no, people avoid that? No, I think I probably once asked my mother... At, about them, and, and she said that they were two men who lived together. She didn't define it any more than that. There, there wasn't the language to define it. Queer wasn't a word you heard all the time. See, uh, because it, it was a subject that was not talked about. And, and it was not talked about because it was utterly irrelevant. It was the same with Jews. We didn't talk about Jews in Bolton. I didn't know any Jews. And I remember my father once saying, oh, yes, that family's Jewish of that home. They were just people, and some were married, and some, like my head teacher at the primary school in Wigan, uh, was clearly a lesbian, looking back. Yeah. And, and she lived with another woman, and they both had short hair and, and uh, had rather mannish gait uh, and were absolutely adorable, and they were just a bit different. They were yeah. a bit odd. They were a bit queer. But these were words you use. It was Miss Wilcox and her friend. Yeah, shall I tell you what? It's really interesting, because you're talking about this couple running the corner shop in Bolton. We've got the same hometown, you and I. Yeah. When I was growing up in Bolton in the 80s, the hairdresser at the top of the street and his boyfriend... Mm 
two people, two men who lived together, people did by that stage start to openly insult them and there, were, there was gossip about them and people would talk about mm. the fact that they were a gay couple. I'm wondering whether that period when I grew up in the 80s, the kind of things that I heard were actually more damaging than when you grew up in, you know, the same part of the world, but nobody talked about it. My first intimation that there were people, men who had sex with each other, was in the addresses and telephone numbers uh, scrawled on the walls of public lavatories. And so when I began to identify myself as, uh, I suppose, queer was the word I would think, I didn't talk to other boys about it. Uh, I, I was very much in love with the boy at school, and I think he was me, but and then... As he explained to me one day, it was a phase we were going through. So you where, didn't where, where had he got that from? Uh, and then there was no no discussion about the subject at school, and this is quite a liberal Bolton school. There was a, a lot of very nice liberal people who, I suppose if you, we'd talked about it, would have discovered to be quite generous to uh, differences in society. But the church didn't go on about homosexuality. The, the church only got worried about homosexuality when it was pointed out that there were homosexuals in the world. It, it, After it, the law came it is, in. It is probably. not part of the, of the basis of any religion that you should bash gays. Uh, it's it's um, religion, religion, I'm afraid, is, is, is a... Is a a support for homophobia. Um, the it homophobia anyway. exists, and then they find yeah. a reason to support it. But before before gays were talked about, the churches never mentioned it. Never mentioned it. It, it wasn't. You had to go looking for in, in in the holy books for anything anti-gay. You could find it. Yeah, they're, they're anti-blacks and anti-women as well. Anti a lot of things. Uh, it's a very old-fashioned book, but books. So it there wasn't a total. Silence. So how did you survive? Well, in Bolton, there was no bar, gay bar, that I know about. Was the Star and Garter not a gay bar then? I've never heard of it, no. no. When I was growing up, there was the Star and Garter and people would whisper when they went past because that's where queers went. Oh. And, the, and the windows were blacked out. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, because me thinking about the Star and Garter and people whispering as if it's a shameful secret and your first inkling that queer life existed was numbers scribbled on the t public toilet wall. Mm. How can you think about that part of yourself as being anything other than a bit sordid and a bit mm. dirty? Well, like, yeah, absolutely. But I, I, I remember going to parties at which gay people were congregating about this time, and you'd hear people say, oh, it was much better when it was all secret, you know. It was much more exciting. <laughs> Which is very sad that, that, yeah. that people should uh, accept what they've been given and think that's the norm and that to change it would actually be a backward step. But one thing about being a criminal, born a criminal, is that it does make you quite stroppy inside. You're, you're a victim. Uh, but you know other victims, and we're going to break the law, and that's uh, I did by uh, having sex with my boyfriend, and, 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 and at a much later date than this. Well, not much later date, but in 1969 at the Edinburgh Festival, it was still 
illegal in every possible way to have sex with a man. So when, when my boyfriend yeah. came up to the Edinburgh Festival and I was starring in the hit show, we broke the law every night. So you, you for some people, yeah, like right on, we're, we're breaking the law. We, 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 we are queer. We are going to change the world. It is going to be all different. We've made it different. We're, 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 we're living in secret. Nobody knows what's going on with us. Because heterosexuality, of course, is loves parading itself, doesn't it? With the, the ring on the finger and the pictures of the kids and all that. Uh, we couldn't have any of that and we didn't want any of that. And, and so when the laws began to be liberalised and there was an acceptance, some old people who got so used to the old ways uh, thought that maybe they preferred it. Well, I didn't. I hate not being in charge of my... And, and, and uh, able to talk about what I am, that's, it's, not, it's not good for the soul. I no, I absolutely agree. But you did say that you were quite selfish when you were younger and you weren't politicised mm. until later. Yeah, so, that's true. So when you were a teenager seeing these numbers scribbled on the walls of, walls of public toilets and then you started to get, started to recognise your own sexuality... How did you explore it? I, I mean, I didn't. so so I mean, I remember you I didn't. Me... I didn't have sex until I was at the end of Cambridge, when I was twenty-two. And were you terrified at the time? Were you frightened? Because hmm? the first time I had sex, I'd been told so many hideous stories about how dirty it was and how mm. painful it was and, mm. you know, that you... Well, by the time I was on the scene, it was you would catch AIDS and it was associated with death and disease, yes. you know. And um, for me, there was so much bound up with it rather than just falling in love with somebody and having sex. Mm. Whereas for you, I suppose it was a completely different social context. There was no... There was no... Um, golden city on the hill, you know, that's where we all want to live. Because I, there was nowhere in the world where, where homosexuality was accepted. Mm. So this, this, this was how society, this was how the world was organised. Gay people were uh, subhuman. If, if you think there is no literature that you can go to to discover yourself, if there's nothing in the newspapers except uh, uh, negativity, well, you just accept it. That, <laughs> and and you think there's not very many of you. I suppose that I, I, I didn't know any gay people in Bolton, and it was a, a delight and surprise to discover that were, there were people of my own age who were gay. And what was the word we used? We, we said we were camp. That was the word we used. Was that code? So that well, code? No, it was the word. I mean, that, that, so uh, it, it that was between queer and gay. And uh, so interesting is, is the evolution. Camp? Oh yes, he's camp, and it, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't mean campy. It meant. It meant. Uh, and 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 there were plenty of men, and I suppose women at Cambridge, because women have nothing to do with this. Women have never had a law to Won't even recognize. inhibit them. No. But the there must have been a Cambridge uh, sexually active men, but I wasn't one of them. But you did tell me once that you somehow intuited that the theatre and student theatre at Cambridge was a world mm. where you would be free to be yourself and that's yeah. why you were drawn towards it. Is that...? Well, in, 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 in part, I mean, it was... Uh, 
Yeah, apart from being able to act, obviously. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but the... Uh, yes, I suppose I'd pick that up from the fact that there were a number of my friends who were dotty about the theatre at university were, were, were gay, and they would therefore talk about gay actors, professional actors, famous people, Oh, more of a surprise than a delight to think, oh, I'm now safely in the company of Michael Redgrave and uh, John Gielgud and uh, uh, many, many others, uh, Gwen Franklin Davis. But no, uh, it was just a matter of interest and, and, and gossip. But yes, I, I think I'd hoped that I would meet a freedom of attitude in the theatre. And uh, it was that general n notion about theatre people that you were accepted for what you were and you were only judged on, on your ability and, and your aptitude and your hard work rather than anything else about you. Uh, didn't matter whether you were divorced or you were unmarried or queer, or old or young, you were just what you were. So uh, included in that, of course, was uh, an acceptance which turned out to be true of uh, gay people and uh, you could be openly gay in the British theatre before this law passed and, and you would not be openly judged. That's one advantage of the subject never being discussed is you never heard any negativity. Yeah. I hear more negativity yeah. now about gay people than I did when I was growing up. With increased visibility. People weren't comes, pointed at yeah, because absolutely. they didn't exist. Absolutely. So if, so if you, um, you're, you're getting involved with student theatre, you're at Cambridge, did and this is when you met your first boyfriend, did you... Can you remember the first time you went to a gay bar? In my early adult life, I had a series of uh, monogamous relationships. And we didn't go out together to, to gay bars, and even living in London. I sort of had heard of them, but I didn't particularly want to go there. Why would I go there to, to, to pick up? Man for sex was that what you went to a gay bar for? I I know I didn't I didn't feel really feel I needed one. If we had an evening off, we went out with our straight friends or had people round. You know, it's very boring. But uh, I only really discovered gay pubs when uh, twenty years later, when I was involved with starting Stonewall, and uh, I began to plug into the gay life of of, of London. Uh, See, it's funny, actually, because you mentioned earlier that free son of excitement a lot of people, a lot of older gay men talk about existing on the scene when it was mm. outlawed. There was no scene. No, well, this is what I wanted to get a picture of. I was imagining that there were... I was wondering, rather, whether there were bars where you could go and suddenly you were amongst your people and you were all hiding together no. and there was a sense of belonging and that was a comfort if you... Well, there, may have, been, there may have been in London, but I wasn't aware of them in Bolton. Not even in Manchester? Is, is there a gay bar in Bolton now? I didn't know anything about Canal Street until Queer as Folk. When I was growing up in Bolton, it felt, did feel like it was a distance, but I imagine that distance was shorter than the, the distance you thought it was at when you were growing up. Well, also, getting to Manchester from Bolton used to be, I used to do it along cobbled streets, and it was a very uncomfortable bus journey. 
Yeah. And you only made it if you really needed to, and I needed to, to go and see theatre. Now, if I'd been a different person, I suppose I could, I could have needed it because I wanted to go and meet gay people, but I have no idea where they met. No idea. So you literally had no lifelines no. whatsoever when you no. were growing up? No. You would have to root about in Oscar Wilde. I'd, I don't know where. I don't. It just, just didn't exist. It seems uh, pathetic looking back, doesn't it? But... I think it's sad, not pathetic. I yeah, think about the boy that you... Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. yes. Uh, Do you think about the boy that you were then? And, you know, what would you... No, I don't you... think about the boy that I was then, but I see boys in, in Russia and India and China and parts of America and parts of this country, regardless of the laws, being outcasts and miserable and suicidal. If the subject's not talked about, if, if there's therefore no day-to-day -day repression, if there's no finger pointed at you, uh, it's a little bit easier. I mean, where would you look, where would you go to to even talk about it? It's not school, not church, not Sunday school, not in my home. But then I didn't talk to my, my parents about sex, full stop. Never had a sex discussion with my father, well, I half a one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I imagine it wasn't very relevant. You, the young you was thinking, no, I don't oh really no. need to know this. No, you pleased yourself, as it were. <laughs> well, in that case, if that's the home you were brought up in, by the time that you are opening up about who you were, um, I know that your parents weren't around by then. But, but who I was was that I was an actor. Yeah. That's what I was. No, well, this that's part of was. you then, this part of you. It, it wasn't... It, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a little under, uh, not in touch with myself enough. But I, I, I didn't feel put upon. I didn't feel I was misunderstood. I didn't get angry. I, it, I just accepted it. But that's the sort of person I, perhaps, am, and that everybody else seemed to be. I. I... So was there a coming out experience for you then with family and? Not until I was 49 years old, no. Well, I know that was when you publicly came out, but yeah. is that, so is That's that when, when... Privately came out. When this law was passed, I was living in Kensington with, 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 with Brian, who I saw only yesterday. Yeah. We were out to everybody. Everybody I knew knew that I lived with Brian. I didn't have to... I didn't come out to anybody. Everybody I knew knew that I was living with another man and therefore I was a homosexual, but... So you didn't announce that you were gay and then yeah. introduce the man, it was just... No, 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 no. See, it's funny, because the coming out thing, the coming out ritual and experience can only exist in a world where the people you're coming out to know what you're talking about. If nobody discusses it, mm. you know, the two gays in the corner shop, mm. they wouldn't have come out to their parents, I imagine. No. And you wouldn't have come out to your family. You just no. start turning up with your consort as a man, mm. and nobody discusses it. No, and 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 uh, fortunately, uh, the, the world I moved in was was one which absolutely accepted it. And if people didn't accept it, they didn't comment on it. They just kept out of your way. So you've talked about the person that you were not getting angry, and you've talked about coming out, and you've talked about 1989 when you publicly came out on a radio discussion programme. I'm wondering 
what changed if you were if you're saying that um, that's the kind of person you were not to get angry about it by the time you came out on a radio show I don't know whether you worked up and it just came out or whether you'd planned to but there was anger there wasn't there so I'd love to know what happened in the build up to that well when we started Stonewall I didn't know what Stonewall was I'd never heard of Stonewall you mean as in the Stonewall riots mm. it happened and I didn't know about it yeah now, one of my best friends, Martin Sherman, the American-born playwright who wrote Bent, he went through the whole experience of putting Bent on, which is a play entirely about uh, gay people, uh, without ever mentioning my own sexuality. So Martin, of course, knew I was gay. I knew he was gay, but when we came to do the interview with Nicholas de Jong, another closeted gay man at the time, uh, I said, this isn't about... Uh, homosexuality, it's, it's about humanity. That's what I said. Well, I was absolute rubbish. Uh, so how I, did you connect? How did you become angry and politicised? Was it just a well, gradual... If one day uh, the government says that in future it will be illegal to speak positively about homosexuality in the school, and that government is headed by Mrs Thatcher, who I didn't like, treatment of the old industries like coal and steel and shipbuilding has been the cause of the vote for Brexit. I mean, her malign influence is still very strong in this country. When she adopted this private member's bill and, and, and pushed it through Parliament, I took that very personally, and so did other people, and effortlessly uh, joined the fight against it, without without thinking. So did you know when you went on that radio discussion programme you were going to come out? Well, I don't know, probably. <laughs> I mean, I, at the time, I, I'd come back from America very aware of, of, of AIDS, and of course AIDS is the, the reason why all the churches oh, happened. Because absolutely. it had to be discussed. It, it yeah. is incredible that the Thatcher government distributed to every household in this country uh, advice on uh, safe sex. Yeah. Even at the time that they were saying you couldn't talk positively about homosexuality in schools, they were educating the entire country. And God, there must have been some shocked faces when people saw... There weren't any diagrams, I don't think, but... God! They, they were admitting that gay people had sex because they wanted to protect them from unsafe sex. So from the best of reasons, that this was now in the public domain. Everybody talked about yeah. it. Now, once you talk about homosexuality, you can't help but uh, notice that there's a discrepancy in the way gay people are treated by the law uh, and by society. And from that, I was part of that uh, upsurgence. And I'd been well prepared, because I knew a lot of gay people. I'd been living very openly with a, a, a gay man. I wasn't in... I didn't feel I was in a closet. The only people in my life who I didn't talk to about it were my stepmother and my sister and, and a blood family. Everybody, everyone who'd ever employed me knew I was gay. Everybody I'd employed knew I was gay. Uh, the, all the press knew I was gay. Uh, and but they didn't mention it. And they didn't mention it. And, and it was very, very easy to avoid their questions which were not probing. So the press were pathetic on this, absolutely <laughs> pathetic. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you know what? So when you made this public announcement then, mm. not only could 
The press brush it under the carpet and you avoid questions and in interviews. But your stepmom and your sister would have to... Did there, Was there any discussion with you? I, I mean, I'd love to know what people's reactions were. You know, publicly well, they're, 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 All my family said, well, we've always known you were gay. And uh, thank you at last for allowing us to talk about it. They, they thought it was a private matter. But I'd been with my boyfriend for Christmas to... We just didn't... We shared a bedroom. Maybe not, so it's just been it was just accepted. It wasn't talked about. Which is not a healthy situation. And, and my relationships with my family have been immediately, instantly improved. I hope you're enjoying Ian's memories so far on the Attitude Heroes podcast. I've heard Ian talk about being gay lots of times before, but never in quite so much detail and never with quite so much honesty. Coming up in the next section... I'm Gandalf. I know. And most people want to meet Gandalf. And and I've learned how to play that and um, explain that I'm... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And off the gay. Attitude Heroes is sponsored by the Great Britain Campaign, which welcomes the world to visit, do business, invest and study in the UK. You can check out their website at www.great.gov.uk. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us out by telling your friends, rating and reviewing the show. Thanks, we appreciate your support. Now, back to Ian. See, I think that's one really sad thing about the gay experience in countries where it's still illegal or not accepted, that to become the person you're meant to be, you have to put distance between yourself and your family. And it used to be like that here. Mm. You had to step back from them, often move away from them. That was, you know, the whole Bronski beat, small town boy song. That was such a key part of most gay experiences. Oh, of course, you were thrown out by your family, which still happens. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And the Albert Kennedy Trust tries to catch the people who fall through. Absolutely, and they do a brilliant job mm, of that. Mm. So, going back to you coming out, how about public reactions? Because there was all this hysteria around AIDS, and I'm sure people would have professionally advised you at the time that it would damage your career. My agent said that. My ex-agent. <laughs> Closeted gay man himself, of course. Yeah, the people who were really objected by coming out were, were, were gay. Oh, don't muddy the waters. Ian, don't stop it. Because they stop were frightened it. and ashamed of it themselves, or just they were... It was too much to cope with. And of course it was too much to cope with, because all their lives they'd been told to shut up. And, and, and that's why poor Nigel Hawthorne was so upset when he was outed, when he got nominated for his Oscar, because he thought he was now going to have to do what I'd done, which was be vocal and, and public and, and uh, go on marches and draw attention to that side of himself which he, he'd been taught all his life to keep private. But as I tried to say to him and others, uh, coming out is, is not about going on marches, it, it's just about um, being honest 
And, and, and you don't have to talk about your honesty. It's everybody, you know, you can just quietly come out. You don't, you don't have to wave a flag. You know what, you mentioned Nigel Hawthorne, and actually earlier you mentioned John Gielgud and other actors mm. in that world. But from what I remember, some of these weren't publicly... I mean, John Gielgud, even after he was arrested for cottaging, he didn't actually come out, did he? So there was still the idea that you could He didn't feel couldn't. the need to. He, he thought to his dying day that the first thing anybody thought about him was that he was queer. The only thing I'll be remembered for, he said. First, uh, first queer to be knighted. But he wasn't, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, he, he was deeply, deeply uh, ashamed of not his own behaviour, but the attention it brought himself. And, and, uh, Do you and, and he couldn't work for 10 years, he couldn't go and work in America. I seem to remember, and I, I wish someone would check this, but I seem to remember the first time I went to America in 1967, I... I signed a form saying that I was not now, nor had ever been homosexual. Anyway, uh, if that wasn't the case, it felt as if it was the case. Yeah. So actually, you know, when you, when you were working in the theatre and you're surrounded by other gay men, everybody knows that you are, but people don't talk about it. Even so, that sense that if you did come out, it would be a huge risk must have just been implicit everywhere, because people like John Gielgud didn't. Yes, and there but was you this. see, uh, John Gielgud's career in, in, in the end was not badly affected, and, and nor was mine, nor could it be. I was too established. Mm. And you were too good, darling. I was, I was uh, people wanted me in their shows. Yeah. But if you were starting out, that's another matter, and still thought to be another matter now. It's not the first thing you'd explain to your employers that you're gay. If you were 49 at the time, you're getting out of the age at which you were playing romantic leads. I never did play romantic leads. Ah. Uh. Because I did, I, I, but I kept away from them myself. I, I, I didn't, wouldn't know how... That, that's the one area when I felt very uncomfortable, was pretending to be straight. Yes, I played Romeo very badly. Really? But then I played Leontes the same season rather well. <laughs> and Macbeth very well, so I... <laughs> and you could argue, actually, that coming out and being honest about yourself and being happy in who you are makes you a better actor. Yes, it does. Do you think it, it did makes with you? It makes you better in every single possible way. Yes. If, if, you're, if you're not having to lie or accept other people's judgment of yourself, well, why wouldn't you become a better friend, a better family member, a better lover, a better human being, a better citizen, a better actor, yes, better teacher, better politician, better priest, everything's better. Oh, Everyth and I've never met anyone who disagreed with that. And that's why it's so cruel and so counterproductive and so wrong for any society to, to point at someone and say, you are lesser than the rest of us. Right, you're sounding angry again now. So I let's do talk get angry. About... I get very angry well, because, because in most countries in, in the world, that is the situation. Well, let's talk about that because over the last few years, more and more, you've been getting, you know, your activism has started to spread around the world. You've been doing all kinds of things in Russia and, you know, well, hopefully. Really. And, uh, uh, you, do what, you, you do what you can or, or, or you... And it happens now, because I'm in public life, I can draw attention to, to, yeah, to you're things being very that other modest. people couldn't. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not Peter Tatchell risking being imprisoned or, and actually being hit over the head by people I'm remonstrating with. No, I'm, 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 
I'm usually doing my activism in the safety of the British Embassy or, or the British Consulate or courtesy of the British Council or in a situation when I'm on stage and, and in charge and uh, difficult to get at, as it were. So, All right, then. Well, in that case, if we're... If, mm. if, if, you know, however we see your bravery, what is it like to go to somewhere like Russia when you've been so publicly open about being gay and you know that it's not accepted there. How do, is it upsetting? Do you, you know, when well, you I, see... I feel I'm unassailable. I mean, I, 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 did once <laughs> ask, I did once ask the British embassy, was it safe for me to go to Russia? And the answer came back, mm, probably not. Nothing we could do to protect you if you're going to... That's brave. No, well, it, but that was the, their judgment. And then, and then I've subsequently been and... and Courtesy of, of, of three security people with me at all times in the streets and even in the hotel, I'm uh, not vulnerable. Anyway, and I'm, I'm Gandalf. I know. And most people want to meet Gandalf. And, I, I, and I've learned how to play that and um, explain that I'm Gandalf the gay. <laughs> <laughs> so so but, there's a strategy going but, but, on. But the, because of my own background and the history of this country, I, people's situation, even extreme situation, uh, risking imprisonment and public humiliation if they draw attention to their own sexuality, is, is a world that I remember and understand and uh, in a positive way I can say, look, that used to be the case here and it's not the case anymore. Things do change. But we, we can't be too proud that we've got the best gay laws in the country, in the world. I think probably we we have, because we're a small country and it's easy to change a small country. America, we we shouldn't be too critical of America. It's a very very big continent mm, yeah. with fifty uh, states, fifty countries joined in a union. No wonder they have difficulty agreeing on things. Yeah, absolutely. So. But there, you know, there are, there are areas in, in, in America where it, it, it's easy to be gay and wonderful to be gay. And, and the inspiration for my coming out specifically came from conversations that took place in San Francisco with Armistead Maupin, a gay writer from the south of the United States who only discovered himself when he went to live in San Francisco. The city on the hill, the beacon on the hill, I mean, San Francisco... We all knew about San Francisco, and and it was uh, an inspiration. So I, I hear I hear people being very snooty about uh, that America can't quite get its act together, but it's had its act together in San Francisco way before this law that we're talking about, and and, and parts of New York as well. So when you go to, I mean, not so much America, but when you go to places like Russia or some of the other countries that you visited, mm. professionally as an actor or as an activist. What kind of attitude? You know, you say you recognise the worlds that you're dipping into because you grew up in that kind of a mm. world, but is it upsetting for you? What kind of young gay people do you encounter and what kind of attitudes? And Well, sometimes they're sobbing mm. as they meet someone from a foreign country who's they think is absolutely free and that they... And sometimes they're angry uh, and most of the time you sense that they're having to live very, very quietly and get great comfort from me. They support each other. Oh, it's so difficult for them. They're, they're, you know, they're not 
Russia is not a democracy. No. You don't have a right to speak your mind, and the state uh, media isn't going to uh, broadcast what you've got to say. No, no. There, there, there are no organisations that pride marches are banned. How, how can you? Well, yeah. And how also, can you express yourself and can mm. in contact with other people who want to express themselves? It's very, very difficult. And it's brilliant that you can you know, draw attention to the fact that in other countries it isn't that way. But at the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I understand that in Russia they demonise gayness as a Western import. Mm. Homosexuality used to be known as the French disease, you know. Just as in, in France it's, it's, the, uh, it's the English disease. Yeah. It's, it's always foreign. Because straight people who never met any gay people think, well, if, if, if I suddenly do meet a gay person, they, they must be foreign. But you, you, you get, you've got the ludicrous situation in India where the law being, the anti-gay law being defended to protect their Indian culture uh, is actually an alien British law that yeah, was introduced uh, when India was a colony. So it's all nonsense. I know. You I never know. trust a politician on homosexuality. They, they'll always get it wrong. It, it's all wrong. It's, it, it's all lies. It... it Face it, there is such a thing as homophobia, a hatred, a fear, a dislike, a suspicion of the difference, encapsulated in the idea of being, uh, wanting to make love to someone of the same gender. It, it's so difficult for people to understand if they're not gay themselves and don't know gay people, that they have to demonize it, they have to get their God on their side because uh, somehow that their whole structure of their lives and society is being threatened, they think. Well, of course, what we've proved in this country that the opposite is the case, and that Tom Daly is a national hero. Absolutely. Uh, and partly because he's gay. Partly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So People connect with the fact that his, emo his, his emotional journey as a gay man, yes. don't they? His coming yeah. out and his bravery, they yeah. connect with that yeah. specifically. You know what, talking about these young boys that you meet when you go to countries like Russia, and how things They're are different. Steady on. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, these young gay people. Yeah. Um, and, and they are mostly young because they've got their lives in front of them, uh, and and they're in touch with uh, examples of of what might be their future through through. Yeah. The, the yeah. So they've well. they've got access to it through the mm. internet. Mm. But you know, so you say things have changed so much in our country, and you're absolutely right. But you talk about homophobia still. I wonder. I mean, we've both been back to our hometown of Bolton for Bolton Pride recently. How much do you think the situation has changed for young gay boys growing up in towns like Bolton, Wigan, where we came from? You know, I mean, it's immeasurably oh. better, oh, but at the same immeasurably, time... immeasurably better. And I, I... You know, it is illegal now to discriminate on grounds of sexuality in a state school. And that is why all state schools are having to uh, examine their own rules and see is there anything in them which is, uh, is discriminating against... Uh, they're gay students, gay members of staff, uh, gay employees. It's and, brilliant, uh, and, isn't it? And therefore, uh, unless you're really, really unfortunate, you will find at school open discussion about homosexuality and nothing in the laws of the school to stop you being as gay 
mm-hmm. as, as your friends are straight. We're protected now, aren't we? But, like so, a... so uh, now, that, that doesn't mean to say it's easy for you at home. It, it doesn't mean to say you're going to fall in love and never have to come out of the closet because you were never inside it. Uh, there's lots of things that can go wrong, but I do admire whatever it has been in, in, the, in, in our country that said we, we must look after our young people, gay or straight. Speaking about those children and the people that you meet, I'm wondering if there's any of those young people listening to this podcast who feel they're in the minority of being gay or they're just discovering that, is there any message you'd like them to take away? Well, there was a a message that went out on the internet not that long ago that I didn't get involved in, which said, it gets better. That was the message. Yeah. And uh, President Obama and and (laughs) everyone down... Uh, put that message, it does get better. Well, it does and it might, but it won't get better just by saying it'll get better. Um, Something has to be done to get it better. And I think people who are struggling with with their own situation, I hope it's not a struggle about, am I gay or am I not gay? Uh, Don't worry about that. You are what you are. And and, uh, don't let anyone or anything stop you discovering what you are as long as you're discovering in the company of like-minded people who are going to respect you and who you respect. Uh, that given, you're not alone. That you have a member of parliament whose duty it is to protect you. And the same at your school. And if you're not getting that support and comfort from your parents, well, um, I hope you've got a sibling who will put their arm around you mm-hmm. and, and be there for you. And. It may feel you're alone, but you're not alone. And there are many ways of contacting people like yourself, probably in your own school, probably in your local community, and, and certainly online. And I'm not talking about uh, looking for sex, I'm talking looking for friendship and reassurance. Yeah. Finally then, how about your personal journey as a gay man? Having gone from being one of those children, thinking you are completely alone, to the person that you are now, you know, the open gay man who's promoting acceptance and tolerance all around the world. Did you ever imagine that you could end up in this position? I mean, presumably not because you didn't know it existed, but did you ever imagine you could be this happy as a gay man? (laughs) I never thought that my... I would identify my own fulfilment, if that's what you mean by happiness... Through my sexuality, I thought it would come from other work, work or friendships or something. But I, no, it, it, and, and the number of times that signing autographs after No Man's Land that, that somebody says, usually in rather quiet voice, "Thank you for all you've done." Oh. They can't quite say, <laughs> and they might say LGBT. Still difficult for people in public to 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 say to a stranger, talk about being gay. But anyway, they 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 usually they can be of all ages, and they can turn out to be a parent of a gay child, or they can be a gay kid themselves, or just someone with a liberal conscience. Out, but it's uh, you take no credit for it because I've just I've, all I've basically done with regard to gay rights is just stand up and say um, I'm gay. <laughs> I joined the club, you know, I, I, I became a member. 
that's a nice way of looking at yeah. it. And and we everyone joins the, when they come when you come out you join the club and you do you can or want no obligations. But that's not going to lie, and that's a big contribution. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, Ian, it's been a pleasure. Thank well, you so much. I don't know so what much. we've talked about really, but it, we've talked about lots. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think attitude, you know, has 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 as it claimed on a front page when, when it's interviewed Prince William. Uh, history was made there because uh, yeah. the royal family, uh, as some sort of uh, identif- uh, point of identification for the nation, have been and, uh, rather lackadaisical and and, and yeah. rather slow in being openly embracing. And I, I don't know that the Queen has ever visited uh, a gay organisation, which is great, no, great surprise. Yeah. Uh, and that it takes the the son of a princess Di to, to be part of the real world uh, is a pity. But it reflects more on them uh, rather than on us. Yeah, and think about the positive message that sends out around the world and countries within the Commonwealth mm. where he will one day be head of state, yes, yes. where it's still illegal. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I know. So we've all done our bit, but thank you very much for doing your bit, and no, thank you very much for talking to us today. Not at all. God bless. I absolutely loved listening to Ian's memories and his experience of being a gay man in Britain before and after decriminalisation. But I have to say, it did also feel like a real honour that he was sharing some of those memories with me and with us. And however modest he is, I don't care what he says, he really has played a part in gay history. You could even say he is gay history. And, you know, I actually think that for that, we all have a lot to thank him for. I hope you enjoyed episode one of the Attitude Heroes podcast, sponsored by the Great Britain campaign, which welcomes the world to visit, do business, invest and study in the UK. Check out their website at great.gov.uk. There'll be another big interview very soon and some extra exclusive bits to listen to in between. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, share, rate and review. It all helps out the show. We'll see you next time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.